Welcome to Lacrosse Recruiting 101, where the biggest names in lacrosse share their inside views and expertise. Now, your host, Luke Cometti. In this episode of the podcast, I talk with Ursinus Men's Lacrosse head coach Gary Mercadante. This 2021 season will be his fourth as a head coach for the Bears. And prior to that, he was a head coach at Delaware Valley University for four seasons. Before Delaware Valley, Gary was an assistant at Ursinus for three seasons. As a player, he played at Dickinson College for four years and was a two-year captain. During the podcast, we cover a lot about what Ursinus was able to do this past year and how they were very fortunate in many ways. We also discuss recruiting, what he and his staff look for in players on the field, and also more specifically, what they look for in their initial contact with players. It was a pleasure having Gary on, and I truly believe anyone can learn a lot from listening to him talk about how he approaches things with the Ursinus Men's Lacrosse program. If I miss something, if there's something you'd like to hear on the next podcast, then please email us at questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com or tweet at our Twitter handle at laxrecruit101. Thanks for listening. Gary Mercadante, Ursinus Men's Lacrosse Head Coach. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Luke. Yeah, excited to speak with you. I'm excited as well. Let's uh, let's start by you giving us a rundown of what's going on in College Town, Pennsylvania right now. Is the team back on campus? <laughs> Is anyone back on campus? You know, what's the start of 2021 looking like right now? So we were we were very fortunate here at Ursinus. I think the 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 college, all of our leadership, did an incredible job uh, this this past fall coming into what we what everybody was dealing with. Um, I think we were one of the few schools that had had everyone back on campus, and, and we're going to be the same this spring. Nice. Um, we have a, a really aggressive testing policy every week, and and the students and staff and faculty I think have done an incredible job of of committing to that and sacrificing in a lot of areas to allow us to come back and just prioritize the experience that our students get on campus. So uh, today is actually move-in day, and tomorrow is the first day of classes for the spring semester. Oh, nice. Well, it sounds like, you know, you had everyone back in the fall. That's a plan here in the spring. That's pretty huge from your standpoint as the head coach of the lacrosse team because if you get everyone back, right, I assume you'll be able to, to do a lot, you know, maybe hop right into practice as a full team. It is. So, you know, no, no matter what happens, I mean, the, the Centennial Conference is meeting again in February. They haven't made an official decision on whether the conference is going to compete this spring. Uh, but I would say no, no matter what happens with that decision, and it's, and it's what we learned in the fall, being together is such a huge part of the experience for our players. Uh, you know, yeah. we, we, we get so much from being around each other, not, not, not even just on the field, you know, just, just how much we love being together on campus and doing what we do as a family. You know, the, when we got that taken away last spring, that was the hardest part. You know, so the fact that we are back on campus again this spring, I think is a huge step in the right direction. It's certainly going to be a big part of us, you know, continuing to, to build on and enhance the culture that, you know, that we've been building uh, here at Ursina. So we're, we're excited and, and certainly grateful that, that we're all going to be back together. As you wait for this meeting in February with the conference, what is your plan before then? Are you guys going to start up? Are you going to do some team activities? You know, obviously it's probably a little nerve wracking waiting to see what the future holds for 2021, but 
what's kind of your plan in the meantime with the team? It is. It's it's certainly been nerve wracking, really, really since it all ended last spring. Because you know, I think week to week, the unknowns are the hardest things to deal with. Uh, you know, no, no matter what the conference decides in in February, if they decide anything, um, you know, for us, we're, we're going by our guidelines internally here at Ursina. So we're, we're our first two weeks here, we have a it's essentially a quiet period where that's everyone comes back. Uh, we get through the first two weeks of having the population back. So there's there's no activity other than, you know, our students are able to lift on their own, those types of things. Uh, starting the end of the first week of February, that's where uh, our strength conditioning staff, they'll be coordinating with all the teams. Uh, they're you know, starting team lifts, team workouts. And then we'll be, hopefully by that point, we'll have some idea of what the spring is going to look like. And that's where we'll start to structure how we're going to train and practice. Uh, you know, I, I would say, our approach in the fall, and it's the same with our guys coming back this spring, though, in these first couple of weeks. You know, my, my priority for our guys is, is continuing to learn how to be people and students in this environment. You know, with, with all these changes, with all the restrictions, with all the safety measures, you know, it, it's hard enough on, on college students in general, not just college athletes, you know, to, to figure out how to navigate that. Uh, and then, yet yeah, on top of that, trying, you know, the, the waiting about the season, you know, so our, our goal is really for our guys to go into February with a great mindset, you know, mentally in a great place and just being prepared for, for whatever is going to come. You know, the, you know our, our thing as, as a staff and as a team has been no matter what happens, we'll be ready. And I think if, if our guys, you know, are, are mentally in a great place um, and, are, and are prepared, then whatever that decision is, we'll, we'll be ready to take it head on. Yeah, that's, that's a great approach, and I think that's really all you – can do kind of at this point uh you mentioned exactly. that <laughs> there's a quiet period right now is that something that always happens when students return back like to get them back in the swing of classes or is that just sp- specific to this year given everything going on so it's it, it's it's fairly similar in a way to what we deal with in the centennial conference uh, our our conference start date is february 1st uh, okay. in, a, in a normal year so no spring sports are starting practice until February 1st. And that, that's very different than most other conferences in the country where, you know, a lot of times our first game of the season, it's, it's past couple of years has been Stevenson. You know, we're, we've had maybe 12 practices, you know, and teams like them have been practicing since maybe January 20th. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot different um, for other conferences for the Centennial. And, and I was fortunate to play in the conference as well. So I, I know it as a player and a coach. Um, I, I've always admired, I, I've always loved that rule because I think it gives our guys time when they get back to get their feet wet, to figure out their classes, to really get situated. Because as we all know, once once that first practice starts and you get rolling, it, it goes fast. You For get sure. thrown right into it and, and there's not a lot of time to breathe. So the more our guys, I think, have a, have a great foundation going into the first day of practice, the more successful they're going to be on and off the field. Absolutely. And when they go into, you know, for example, this quiet period, or just think of over the past kind of calendar year here, once things shut down, and there's probably a lot of time that you were not able to work with them, your strength staff was not able to work with them. What do the conversations sound like between you and your players? And what are you encouraging them to do as individuals? So, you know, when you get back together as a team, they're at their best. 
so this is, I, I would equate this similar to any off season that we have, you know, over winter break, over the summer, you know, those are, those are the times where it's, it's hardest on college players because you go home and as a staff, we don't see you for three months in the summer. You know, we don't see you for five weeks over winter break leading up to the start of our season, which is the most important time of the year. (laughs) And it's very similar to that in the sense that we have, we have talked nonstop with our guys and I'm sure they're sick of hearing it at this point, just about controlling what you can control. You know, so this, this time period, you know, this, this, this two weeks where we're, you know, we're not doing anything with the guys it's very similar to what we expected of them over winter break. You know, if, if your gym is closed because of state restrictions, the road's not closed, go for a run. You know, the, yeah. the wall's not closed, get a stick in your hand. Uh, you know, I think this, this whole experience with the pandemic has, and I, I, I think for all, for all athletes, not just lacrosse, but for all athletes at all levels has really start started to show who is self-motivated, who's willing to put in the time when nobody's watching um, and who's willing to be creative and just find ways to get better because it's, you know, more so the past 12 months than ever, it's been easy for everyone, including coaches, I think to sit back and feel sorry for ourselves and just say, Oh, you know, it's this year's over. We're not going to get anything out of it. But the, the teams that do that, I think are, are the teams that are going to be catching up a lot next year. You know, our, our goal with our guys has really been to, to push them to understand, control what you can control, Find way, find little ways to get better. They don't have to be these massive things that you do, but each day just do something to get better and and know that that's going to pay off whenever we get back to the field. And it's it's not easy not knowing that, but I think the drive that we have as a program, the the way our guys care and invest in each other, has certainly helped. I think our guys do more and be willing to do more, even with the unknown kind of lurking over everything they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think, you know, you probably can attest to this as a head coach, but any coach, I guess for any sport, kind of as you're saying, it really comes down to almost, you know, how internally motivated are your players, but also like, what is the culture you kind of set within your program? You know, who are the kids you are recruiting, the ones that are hopefully internally motivated? Because and yeah. there's a lot of downtime like this, I mean, you need your guys working on their own, doing what they can, as you say, getting creative coaches, right? You know, it kind of goes hand in hand when, you know, your players are working hard. That's because the coaches are working hard, right? It's from the top down. And you really think like once we step back on the field here, hopefully in 2021, you're going to see what kind of programs, right? Where that culture was set in and who's really going to thrive once they step back on the field after a lot of downtime, yeah. essentially. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Iron Horse Lacrosse, the number one lacrosse program in Texas for travel teams, camps, and clinics. For more information on Iron Horse, visit their website at www.ironhorselax.com. So this past fall and summer, you know, I've talked to a lot of Division I coaches on here, and they were in a dead period. They were not able to recruit live, right? Of course, they're watching a lot of film. They're talking to a lot of high school coaches, club coaches. What was your experience this fall and this past summer from a recruiting standpoint? I mean, I know that some Division Three and Division Two schools were able to go recruit on sidelines. I know some had rules against it. What was your experience at Ursinus, and what were you guys able to do? So we, we did not have any travel restrictions um, once we hit fall recruiting. 
so we were and and summer as well we we kind of it, it came at a perfect time where we were able to travel uh, so you know like as you said a lot of other division three coaches you know we, we were able to get on the road and see guys and nice. you know I think we we definitely did that as much as we could uh, but I would say like similar to the d1 coaches we we put more time into video than we ever have and and I would say want to uh, want to put into it you know I put I put a lot of value into being on the field listening and seeing live no matter no matter what as 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 much video as, as you get and as as great as a highlight film may be there's so many things that you learn in person sitting in a chair watching a team play and and, and a player play that you're that you're interested in and there are things that you just can't get from video. Yep. Um, so I was I was very happy that we were able to do that. Um, and it you know towards towards the fall it really became more about we were getting second looks and just following our guys around and just continuing to learn about them as players and see what they're doing. Um, and it just I I think that that really allowed us to identify the 21 group that we were really passionate about and that we ended up with. I think we were really successful there uh, because we were able to get in person. Uh, and I think it's also given us a great jump start on our on our 22s. You know, we've been able to identify guys and and get guys on campus this fall that we might not have been able to do if we weren't out on the road. Yeah. And when you talk about some of the things you see on the sideline when you're there in person that you are unable to see watching film, you know, I've heard other coaches say that too. Like for example, they like to see how they you know interact with their parents. You know, how they talk to the coach pregame, how they warm up, things like that. Are those some of the things you have in mind when you think of, you know, things you pick up on as a coach that you can't when you're watching film? A hundred percent. You know, I, I like it. I, I think those are all great examples because a lot of times it's not necessarily what's going on when the whistle blows. It's okay at halftime. You know, your your team is your team, your club team struggles in the first half. You're ticked off your coach is talking in the huddle and you're over sitting by the bench sulking, you know, or, or you're just a guy that is never engaged with the team, you know? And, and it's, it's amazing to me how we go to these tournaments and we'll sit. I mean, as you know, when we sit on sidelines, sometimes we're three feet from the bench. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's not like we're up in a stadium where we can't even hear anything. Sometimes, you, you know, if you hear more than you want to working. <laughs> yeah. You hear everything. Um, you know, if I'm working an event like at a showcase, I may be sitting in the substitution box. So I mean, I'm right there, and I think players still don't realize <laughs> that we're there at times in the heat of the moment, and we hear everything. And you can learn a lot about a player in those situations in terms of um, how he handles things when they're not going well, how he is when they are going well. Is he a good leader? Is he a great teammate? Um, you know, and and then little things too, like something you know you. I, I think it's easy in summer games and things like that to, you know, to, to not be a guy that celebrates, you know, with, with his whole team. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I put a lot of stock in that stuff. You know, we're, we're looking for the obvious ones. Like we want athletes, you know, because I think that's, that's the most important piece. Um, and then all the things that go with that in terms of what we're looking for when you're playing, but you know, a guy that celebrates every goal with all of his teammates, you know, or, a guy that scores a goal and points to the guy who gets the assist, you know, little things like that I'm taking notes on. (laughs) And it's, you know, sometimes you go back and you probably have more than you need, but it's, it, it, it gives you a lot of great insight into the type of person that a player is 
And then the goal is hopefully you get them on campus and or on the phone and on campus and you meet them and you, you start to really identify that, you know, that character that you want in the program. And, and it, sometimes you can figure that out from some of those little things. Yeah. I'm so glad you say it, said that. Cause I, here I'm watching, you know, the NFL playoffs this weekend and <laughs> I'm not going to go into specific what's team, but there's a handoff to the running back is like a seven yard run into the end zone. He wasn't touched by anyone, right? The O-line, the tight end did an awesome job blocking. And here he just starts celebrating by himself. And I'm like, that was all the linemen. You know, that was your teammates. Granted, yeah, exactly. you had to run the ball in. But the same thing goes for lacrosse. I mean, it's, you know, the guy who dodged, who drew the double, who banged it behind, who then passed it up to you wide open. Sure. And great, yeah, you scored, and that's an important there, thing. But there's a lot more into it than you just scoring. There are. And that's, that's also what – the reason I think that's so important is because we – that's a huge part of what we do as a team. Uh, but just speaking about offense, for example, because, you know, we're kind of using that example there – you know, it's, it's the same for us. You know, if you look at the majority of our goals that we score, it involves six people. It's, and, and, you know, all those guys don't get the credit, but it is a, it's a six person group out there and they're all working for that goal. And I think when you, when you have guys with that mindset, you know, that aren't selfish, um, you know, that are willing to understand that, you know, it, you're, you're going to, you're only going to be that much better. Um, and not everybody's like that, you know, some guys have to learn that, but if you yeah. can identify, if you're lucky enough to identify that, you know, in the recruiting process, I think it's only going to make, make us that much more successful when we get them here. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I try to do as a coach is I say we score as a team, right. Or we score as an offense, exactly. you know, we're not scoring as an individual because there's so many factors that go into it. And the more a team can understand that and not really worry about who's scoring, right? As you're saying, the better off you're going to be. And that's actually the kind of players you're trying to recruit. It sounds like. It, it is. And we, we call that here, we call that celebrate with six, you know, so every goal and we do the same thing in practice and it, it takes a little while in the fall for our new guys to understand that because, you know, I think a lot of guys have that mindset of, I don't want to be that guy, you know, that, that celebrates a goal in practice and I'm the opposite. Why not? <laughs> If, if you work your butt off with the other five guys on the field in a six on six session and you score a great goal, celebrate it and celebrate it with all six guys. Yeah. And it's that, that, I think just, that's a culture thing, you know, that, that ends up because when that's happening in games, that, that, that mindset is contagious and we're feeling good and it just really helps get the ball rolling and keep us in a great place. Yeah. You know, it breeds a little competition that gets the guys excited. It makes practice a little more fun, right? They're more excited to be there. Of I think course. Yeah. That, that, win, that, win, win. That, that's just being competitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you're looking back at this fall and I guess just since you've been the head coach, where specifically are you looking for players? Um, you know, you guys being about 40 minutes outside of Philly, I think you're at a pretty prime location for lacrosse and recruiting. Um, you know, as I scan through your roster, it looks like a lot of Philly, well, a lot of Pennsylvania and New Jersey players. Are you pretty focused on that kind of area or are you open to, you know, really any players that fit your system and what you're looking for? So I would, I would start by, by just saying in terms of my timeline, I, I started my co coaching career here in 2009 as an assistant coach. So even the time that I was, I was here for four years and left for five and then came back as the head coach. But even during that time I was gone, I think the first probably seven or eight years since 09, uh, we were very heavy, you know, in region. 
you know, we had, like you said, a ton of Pennsylvania guys, Jersey, a few Long Island, Delaware. Um, my mindset as a coach, and, and since I've got here, I think we've made this shift, has always been, one, we want to be the best in our own backyard. You know, I, I want to make sure that, you know, the guys that, you're, that you were just addressing on our roster, you know, if there's a, there's a top player in Philadelphia, you know, we want to go after that guy, but we also want to recruit the best players in the country. And if you look at, for example, the class we brought in this year, our current freshmen on the team, uh, I think we look much different than what our rosters have typically looked like. Uh, we've got Michigan, we've got Colorado, we have guys on the team right now from California. Uh, you know, so we we have guys now from from all over the country, and that's something that that's one of our goals. We want to find the best guys. I don't I don't care where they're from. I think the the growth of the game has been incredible. You know, the past twenty years, and there's great players everywhere. If you're willing to find them, you, you can find them. And that, yeah. you know, for us, that's our mindset now. So it's kind of twofold there. And I think that also adds to the experience. You know, I, I as a player, I would want to be on a team where, you know, if I'm a guy from Philly, I'm playing with guys from Colorado and Michigan. And you know, I, I think that only adds to the experience that you get throughout your four years on the team and the friendships, the you know, the lifetime friendships that you develop. It's It makes it a pretty, you know, pretty unique process. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a pretty good balance with your approach there because, of course, you want the the local guys, you know, the guys who have maybe watched Ursine as playing, you know, growing up. They know the school. They know the area, right? You you want them on your radar, but you're kind of doing a disservice if that's all you go for as the local guys because, as you said, the, yeah. the sport's growing so much. I mean, pockets are popping up all over the place with pretty much top recruits, and you constantly, you know, need to be – expanding your you know your horizon as a coach recruiting because you never know where you know you're going to get your next all-american or your next captain or whatever agreed and that that's where i think the the growth of the club game has helped you know if it was just high school it'd be very difficult to go find guys in colorado you know for us uh but the fact that you know the and, and location helps a lot with that for us you know we're we're kind of in <laughs> in the central hub yeah, for, say you know, events and recruiting. A couple hours from uh, just most about people are, big events. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Our, our location for a lot of reasons, I think is, you know, is a huge advantage. And, and from a recruiting perspective, you know, we know if we're willing to drive two to three hours from Collegeville, we're going to see club teams from all over the country. It's just a matter of us getting there. So that's where I think the growth of the club game and the growth of the game in general has helped where, you know, we're going to see players all summer from everywhere. And then it, it's on us to make sure that, you know, we're pursuing the, you know, the right guys in those programs and we're, and we're trying to bring those guys in from all over. You're on the sideline, you find a player, you know, maybe you see a player, your assistant sees a player that you guys like, and you think he'd be a great fit for your program. What are the next steps? And, you know, how do you reach out to them if they're interested, you know, how do you separate or sign us from, I guess, other schools, you know, in your conference or just other college programs in general? So for us, it, it's that that process, you know, starts when we see those guys at the events. Uh, typically, one of the first things we do, we come back as a staff, and we'll, you know, if we're if we're not in the office, obviously we haven't been with everything going on. We get on calls and uh, we look up their videos, get another look at them, um, see if we, you know, just j- just collaborate as a staff and make sure we're all on the same page, and then we go all in on that student. Um, and the, the the first thing for us is just that initial contact, and I would say it varies by player. Uh, sometimes, depending on the time of year, it's just an initial email. You know, we'll ask a student to you know, fill out our recruiting form. 
Uh, and then we immediately follow up with a phone call once we get that info. Um, and, you know, other times we'll go directly to the student athlete. You know, we'll, we'll shoot him a text. We'll call him right away. Um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a blue chip guy that we love that day and we say 100% yes, um, I may just shoot that player, you know, a, a text, introduce myself, let him know how excited we are, and I'd love to set up a phone call. Um, and I think that initial phone call is where we put, we put a lot of stock in the process for our guys. Um, you can learn a lot in that initial phone call in terms of, you know, how a student athlete is on the phone and where they are in the process. Um, and for us, you know, we, we don't mass recruit, you know, so we're not making we're not making 700 phone calls or sending out 400 emails after an event. And I think for that reason, we're able to invest more time in those phone calls and just that initial communication. Uh, and the goal after that is, is to get those guys to campus. Um, there's not a lot of time that really lapses between that initial communication and when we want to get them on campus. That's really the next stage. Uh, and from there, that's what really, you know, kicks the process into high gear. Yeah. seems like you really stress that initial contact, right? That first phone call, as you're saying. We do. We what, do. what do you yeah. look for from the player? And I know it may be specific to your program, but I can imagine what you're looking for, a lot of coaches are looking for. And maybe just some advice to like a player listening to what a coach wants to hear in that initial conversation. Sure. So I, I tell all, and I've, I've done plenty of recruiting talks, and I always advise players the same in, in that they need to do their research. You know, you don't, if, if you're not a guy that's great on the phone, that's okay, but you have to be engaged. You know, so yeah. if, you know, I was like, if, if, if I was a player and Coach Tambroni from Penn State sent me a text and said, hey, I want to set up a call on Friday and it's Monday, you set that call up, you know, you know how five days to do your homework. Right, to go and prepare, to write down questions, to talk to the people in your network, your club coaches or your high school coaches about what to expect, you know, if you haven't been on a lot of those calls. And I think if you do that, it you come off very interested, right? You come off genuine, you come off interested, and it shows that you care. And whether you end up, you know, coming to visit or sign us or not, I think learning how to handle that process is important because eventually whether it's us or someone else, you're going to be on a call with a coach that is the coach you want to play for and the school you want to go to. And if you're not prepared and you haven't put in the work and maybe it comes off the wrong way, maybe that coach goes back to his staff and says, you know what, as much as we like that guy, that was a tough conversation. You know, that was like pulling teeth. And I just can't, I don't know if he's the right fit for us because he seems very disinterested. Meanwhile, on the other end, you're thinking to yourself, I love that place. I want to go there. Yeah. You know, so it, it's put, put, putting the time into that process is really important, um, you know, for all those reasons. And I think if you do that, you come off with a great first impression. You, you really start, I think, that relationship off on the right foot with coaches. And that's just a great springboard into, you know, again, the next steps of the, of the process, which for us is getting you here to campus. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the same thing I kind of tell players, not so much with the initial phone call, which obviously makes a lot of sense, but even the email, right? When you're reaching out to a coach or the, you know, the coaching staff, instead of just this generic email of, hey, coach, I really like your program in school. I want to play there. You know, go into specifics about the program. If you're genuinely interested in playing for that school. Yeah, I mean, what? it's not going to catch your eye if you're just a generic email that maybe, you know, mixed up the coach's name, right? You know, you make sure you're, yeah. you're going to detail a little bit about why you like the program, why you like the school, because that's only going to better your chance that he's going to be interested and he's going to keep an eye on you. 
It, it is. And that's, you know, I think the, the word generic that you throw in there, that I think right now is probably the downfall of, of a lot of recruits processes because they, you know, they, they just figure, okay, I'll have one email. I'll send that out. But you have to think that all of us get those, you know, let, let's say every coach in the country gets 20 a day. We know what those look like. We, we know how those read and they come off as very robotic. And compared to what you're talking about, where if it's a place you're really interested in, put some time into it. I'd rather you email me a day later because you took your time with it than rush to send me a, you know, a generic email that you have set up. Uh, I think that's, you know, we, the point is coaches know the difference. And, you know, with the amount of time for us that we invest in our, our prospective student athletes and their families, you know, it's, we want to make sure that it's it's the right fit, you know, because we are going to put a lot into the process and invest a lot of time in you. If we feel like we're just we're just getting a generic email, it's the same thing you sent to seventeen of our competitors. I don't know if we're necessarily going to do that. Yeah, you know, exactly. so it, it definitely pays off, I think, to take the extra time. You get that player on campus, right? What does that kind of visit look like, and what are you talking to him about? What are, what are you showing him? to potentially, you know, make him interested in or sign as men's lacrosse and the school itself. So something we do here that I think we've, we've learned in talking with our families is, is a little different than the way some places do it. Uh, we have all of our students tour with admissions. And I know that seems like a normal thing that most places do, but I've always been in the mindset that our student athletes, when they get here, are going to do so much more than play lacrosse. Right, they're going to be involved. My guys on the team right now are heavily involved in a ton of things across campus, wear a ton of different hats, and and they do a lot more than just play lacrosse here. So for me, we, we have our guys go through admissions, you know, meet uh, tour campus with a tour guide, meet with a counselor, and that's always the first part of the day for them. Um, I like that because they hear from another student that might or might not be an athlete, and it's a different perspective. Because the reality is, is they're going to hear enough from me. So I, I want them to hear from, from someone else and, and just be able to also to ask questions. And it's great for the parents, too, to be able to ask questions to somebody who's not the coach. Uh, because I think what our families learn is, is they start to they start to realize that everything is the way we say it is. You know, you, you kind of get a feel for the different pockets of campus. Um, and then at the end of that, that's where we meet with our students. So uh, we pick up our families, we tour them around athletics, and then we sit down with our families you know, those vary anywhere from an hour, hour and a half. Um, my goal in our initial campus meeting is to always have our students and our student athletes and their families leave with a great picture of what it's going to be like to come to our sinus, spend four years here, and also be a part of this place for the rest of their lives. You know, we, we stress with our guys in that initial meeting, this isn't a four-year investment. It's a lifetime investment. And for that reason, I want to make sure that it's the right fit for them. And I would say that, you know, out of all the lacrosse stuff we talk about, out of all the academics and community service and all the things that we talk about in those meetings in terms of what they can expect when they, when they are in our program, I think the most important part of that is letting them know that my number one priority for them is once we know it's the right fit for us um, is making sure that it's the right fit for them because they're the ones that are going to wear the helmet. They're the ones that are going to go to the weight room, go to class, do an internship, study abroad, right? I'm not going to do those things. My staff is not going to do those things. They're, they're going to be the ones that have to invest and sacrifice and do all of that. 
and we'll be we'll be along for the ride with them right there with them but if you if you end up going to any school for the wrong reasons or let's say just for lacrosse i think it's really hard to be to invest and be great at everything right and and we want students that are here for the right reasons because if they are they're going to be great here and we're going to make sure of it yeah it's, it's well said because if a player goes for the wrong reasons <clears throat> and he ends up leaving or not having a good experience, I mean, nobody wins. You know, he doesn't win, right? Exactly. You know, he's not doing well in the cross field. Like, you know, the, the coaches don't win. The program, the team doesn't win from that, right? So you're really stressed. It's like you can't just say, oh, I want to go play maybe at a high level. You know, and that's great. That's a great goal. Or, But you need to, to really look at, okay, can I see myself here? And there's always going to be unknowns, but – the more you can ensure it's going to be a good fit on and off the field, I mean, the better you are going to be as a whole once you get to that campus. Of course. And going back to what you, you, know, you talked about in the beginning from a culture standpoint, you know, if, if you want your culture to be where it is, I don't think having a team of 50 guys who I convinced to come here <laughs> is, is, is going to get us to where our culture it should be. Um, on the flip side, if we have a team of 50 guys who as much as we've heavily recruited them and wanted them here, it was their decision to come here. And in the end, it was right for them and their families. Well, they're going to work their tails off here for our culture and for our program and for campus because they care about it. They, they want it to be successful and they're invested in it. Right. So it's, I, I think that goes, that just goes, that's very underplayed, I think in this process at times and isn't talked about enough. And, and I would say that's, you know, our, if, if our students leave here that initial campus visit and understand that they know how much we want them here, they have a great picture of what their experience is going to be like here on and off the field, but they know that now as much as we're going to continue the process with them, the number one thing is, is it the right fit for me? Right. And then if it is great, we're, we're ready to go. Uh, But I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to try to convince that student that, Hey, this is, this is the right and only fit for you. Right. It it has to be a two-way street. Yeah. All right, coach. Last segment of the podcast here, what we call the fast five. I'm going to ask you five questions. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, give me your quick initial answer, but feel free to explain. Okay. All right. Number one, do you prefer Gino or Pats? And, or do you have a third place for cheese Wow. Steaks? I, I, I do. Vincent. Okay. Um, Vincent. <laughs> Sorry to throw you a curveball. No, hey, hey, that's fine. New places. I like it. Number two, what is your favorite sport other than lacrosse? I'd have to say football. Uh, Probably just, you know, just the comparisons, football or basketball. Number three, if you weren't coaching lacrosse, what career do you think you would pursue? I'd be teaching elementary or high school, uh, a, a teacher. What subject? <laughs> History. Okay. Number four, how would your players describe you as a coach? I think I'm a, I'm a player's coach in the sense that I have a really good balance of developing great relationships with my guys and developing trust with them from the moment they get on campus. But I'm also the coach that's going to hold them accountable and hold them to our highest standard and and our expectations. You know, I think there's, you know, communication is something that we value here 
um, with our guys. And I think trust is at the core of all of that um, in terms of the player coach relationship. And that's, I think we, we do a really good job, not just myself, my assistants, um, as a staff of, of kind of finding that middle ground and that balance and not maybe being just one or the other. Yeah. Number five, last one. When did you know you wanted to be a college lacrosse coach? So I always knew I wanted to teach. That was actually my goal when I got to college. I was in our education program at Dickinson. And it was after my freshman year, I started working uh, old school camps like Top Star Lacrosse. That's not around anymore. <laughs> uh, but some, some old school camps that I had played in as a player. And I was around college coaches working. And I just fell in love with it. And I, I knew from that moment I really shifted from wanting to just to be a teacher to wanting to be a college coach. Um, and I was I was lucky enough to be in an environment where my college coach, you know, I talked to him about it and he he just he just set me up and put me in all the right positions to continue to gain that experience and understand what it was. So when I ultimately graduated, I, you know, I was in a position where I could I could get hired and get a job. Um, so very grateful I was able to have that experience with him. And and that's definitely when I when I figured it out. Awesome. Well, Gary Mercadante or Sinus Men's Lacrosse, once again, thank you for coming on. And uh, best of luck this season. Look forward to following you guys. Thanks, Luke. This was a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate the time. It was great talking to you. Thanks for listening to Lacrosse Recruiting 101. Catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Have a question for Luke? Email them to questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com.